Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Tuesday, May 25th, 2021, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. One year ago today, George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis, Minnesota. What has changed in America in the one year since his death? We'll explore that. Corporate America promised $50 billion to black America. Most of that has not been spent. We'll break that down. Also, what has changed when it comes to policing, when it comes to public policy, when it comes to holding police accountable? And has America truly confronted the issue of race? We'll cover all of that on the special edition of Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Black Lives Matter Plaza here in the nation's capital. We'll be joined by the family of George Floyd, who are on their way right now after meeting today with President Joe Biden at the White House and also on Capitol Hill with Senators Tim Scott, Lindsey Graham, as well as Cory Booker. We'll also be joined by Congresswoman Barbara Lee talking about the third reconstruction. Also, Nina Turner, she is running for the U.S. Congress from Ohio. We'll chat with her as well. All that and more. Also, Kristen Clark, today, the first black woman ever confirmed to head the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice. 
All that and more right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. It's time to bring the funk. Let's go. this day, George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis, Minnesota, setting off a firestorm all across the country. Massive protests, in fact, taking place all across the world. A number of African Americans have been killed uh, over the years uh, by police, but folks, uh, this was different. It unleashed something America had not seen since the Civil Rights Movement. But the question is, how much has changed in this country? Of course, there have been a number of people who have been killed by cops since then. Derek Chauvin, the cop who kneeled on George Floyd for nine minutes and 29 seconds, uh, choking the life out of his body, found guilty, awaiting sentencing uh, on his way to prison. Three, three of the officers who were involved, uh, they will go on trial in 2022. We've seen other cases uh, where officers in Minneapolis and other places uh, have killed folks uh, as well. And so over the next two hours, we'll discuss this uh, on this particular day. There have been events taking place uh, all across uh, the country and the world commemorating the death of George Floyd on this day uh, in Minnesota. Uh, the uh, governor, Tim Walz, calls for a moment of silence uh, to honor George Floyd. So this is what he posted. Minnesotans, join me today for a moment of silence to honor George Floyd on the anniversary of his death, a day that ignited a global movement for change. Let us pause for nine minutes and 29 seconds today at 1 p.m. Uh, that has been taking place, uh, folks. Also today uh, in New York, the National Action Net Network, Mayor Bill de Blasio and the New York City mayoral candidates, they took a knee to commemorate uh, the death of George Floyd. In fact, Sean Donovan, uh, who is the running for mayor, was one of the folks uh, who was arrested on this day uh, at a protest uh, as well uh, in New York City. So a number of different uh, things that have been going on uh, all across uh, this country uh, commemorating uh, today. Uh, what if you will see here, I'm actually wearing uh, a T-shirt that, that the George Floyd uh, family sent me. They actually sent me this T-shirt, a hat and a mask as well, 525, uh, Day of Enlightenment, uh, all the focus uh, on this day. Uh, it was this video, folks, this video we were about to show that changed everything a year ago. It was Memorial Day in 2020 when this video went on social media, shot by a bystander, a young woman, uh, that changed the conversation in this country and in this world with regards to police brutality. 
folks in this video in, in this video here, of course, uh, that changed everything that you can hear the pleas of George Floyd, uh, where uh, he was literally he was literally pleading for his life, telling them he could not breathe. Uh, this went on for nine minutes and 29 seconds. It was this video uh, that way he also uh, and, and his family talked about uh, him calling for his mother. Some say uh, as he was dying, he was literally uh, seeing his mother. Uh, it was it was a gut wrenching video. Uh, not only that to hear that particular audio, uh, folks, uh, it, it, so you see the officers there just simply standing around. This video was shown over and over and over in the trial of Derek Chauvin. And folks, it was this video that boomerang all across the world that changed everything. You see Derek Chauvin sitting there, knee on his neck, hands in his pocket. And folks said, literally, he is suffocating the life of George Floyd. We can come back to me, folks. Uh, again, uh, nine minutes and 29 seconds. That time has been etched in the memory uh, of so many different people. It unleashed a torrent, a torrent, of protest all across the world. Let's show some of that video, folks. Uh, we remember that week vividly, what took place uh, in Minneapolis, what took place uh, in the country, where people in cities across America, across the world, held protests in honor of George Floyd. It was uh, the most massive uh, spur of the moment protest that we have seen uh, since the civil rights movement. It changed so much uh, in, the, in this country. It changed so much uh, in this world, uh, and what really, what really happened, what really happened with folks uh, in terms of it, it caused the consciousness of folks to be raised. It caused people uh, to really begin uh, to demand the answers. What can be done to change this? That's what took place uh, on this particular day, uh, and what really also happened, folks, is we saw we saw how many people. Uh, who were many of them white who responded uh, in a major major way with, with regards to uh, uh, with, regards, with regards to what took place folks uh, it was uh, it was again uh, shocking and stunning uh, that were there were again um, massive massive amounts of, of protests that took place uh, it also caused folks uh, to demand changes inside of their companies. Uh, we saw young whites, we saw Asians, we saw Latinos, uh, and it wasn't just African Americans who were leading the marches uh, that took place um, uh, all across uh, the world. Uh, I want to bring in my panel right now while we're still showing that video. Georgia Fort, she's an independent journalist. Uh, Benjamin Dixon, host of the Benjamin Dixon Podcast. Teresa Lundy, principal founder of TML Communications. I'm going to talk with them while we wait here at Black Lives Matter Plaza in D.C. for the arrival of the family of George Floyd. Uh, they met today with President Joe Biden. They were on Capitol Hill meeting with Senators Tim uh, Scott and Lindsey Graham, Cory Booker. They're making their way uh, right now to uh, Black Lives Matter Plaza for us to, uh, to talk with them uh, for an exclusive interview here. Uh, ben, um, a lot changed on Memorial Day in 2020. Roland, one of the things that we saw was in that video, and because of that video, we saw the extent to which the police in this country devalue black lives. And it was so jarring and so shocking that many white Americans just couldn't put up with it anymore. Um, a lot has changed, but so many things haven't changed. And there's still the pursuit for justice. Um, and even though we have justice in this particular case, 
I really look at this in a way that my friend Anoa Changa puts it. Justice isn't getting a guilty verdict. Justice is stopping them from killing the next person. And we need the legislation to pass and get off the desk of the legislatures and move into action so that we can address the issues that allow that allow Derek Chauvin to believe that he could get away with murder. Teresa, we talk about a lot changing uh, on this day. Um, and, and we talk about what it ignited. But we also really, really saw, t- Teresa, we saw white Americans respond in a way reminiscent of how they responded when the dogs and fire hoses were sick on black children in Birmingham when they were there protesting in the 1960s. It was those images that caused a white American to say, enough is enough, and the exact same thing happened here. Absolutely, and that's something that we can never forget. One year ago, we saw, you know, um, the, the population, the masses decide that enough is enough. And so when we start to see the unification of black Americans, white Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, and we're all coming together despite religion, race, and creed, and standing together in unison, we start to understand that this was the birthplace of what America was built on as it relates to our Constitution. And so if we get the the law of George Floyd uh, at pass, we can start having not only these discussions, but we can have more unification of conversations that could potentially happen across states when people come together. Um, Georgia, uh, to that particular point, again, uh, you know, what it did, it forced people to have to make a decision. Do you sit on the sidelines? Do you simply allow black folks to step out here uh, and speak to these issues? Uh, it forced others uh, to frankly get uh, serious about this and realize they had to use their voices to demand change. Absolutely. I think being here on the ground in Minneapolis and seeing this unfold day after day, week after week, month after month, people have really tried to be on the right side of history. But as we saw in the attacks on January 6th, that there is a double standard in America very clearly in the way that uh, the law enforcement is trained to respond to a group of white protesters versus responding to a group of black protesters or those demanding justice for black life. And so being here in Minneapolis, even on this day, one year later, we really thought that there would be more change, that that a federal bill would be passed by now. But uh, again, we're, we're being met with more resistance. The... But, but here's the thing that I think is, is that, that we have to explain to people uh, on this very issue, uh, Benjamin, uh, is that um, a lot of people are like, why hasn't it happened? Well, the exact same thing was said uh, after Selma, after Birmingham, after Albany, Georgia. Uh, and so the thing is, protesting in the immediate aftermath is one thing, but it's a lot different when it means now passing legislation. Uh, that was always uh, one of the things that that that, that, that a protest is one thing. Yeah, this is the photo from New York, folks. So y'all, y'all should be pulling the photo when Congress kneeled. Uh, right now, folks, I believe the uh, the family uh, and we're waiting to hear uh, to see if the family of George Floyd has arrived. Uh, but again, this is the thing. This is the thing here uh, uh, that uh, right now that's the kneeling of New York, folks. 
Uh, I'm talking about uh, we can also we should be able to pull that photo when Congress also kneeled. But the thing, Ben, is that people have to keep the action going. You have to keep the action going and pressuring the legislators to act. It doesn't happen just because. Absolutely right. The pressure has to be put on on a regular basis. And we see that action is forced when the people are in the streets and when people are making their voices heard. That said, it is also incumbent upon these politicians who benefit from our votes time in and time out to actually take the initiative and not always wait for the people. Now, the people need to keep standing up. Right. But I think there's some accountability because we, we've seen, Roland, one of the things I've seen with the Biden administration is they do respond to the demands of the people. And I think if this case, if it's necessary, we need to go back into these streets to make sure that we get some definitive action that takes place. Uh, one last thing, Gianni uh, Floyd, his daughter, she said it last year, right in the aftermath. She said her father changed the world. And, you know, and while we don't have the results that we want and need in terms of legislation, his death really did change something. And we, I believe that we'll see within her lifetime some significant changes to how our country treats black people. Uh, when, the, when the Floyd family uh, arrives here, uh, we're going to have an opportunity to talk to them about uh, their meetings on Capitol Hill with also President Joe Biden to see uh, if anything uh, has indeed changed. Uh, they're on their way, and I believe that, they, that this might be uh, them in this SUV uh, that is behind us, uh, we should be able to switch to that other camera to see uh, if that's uh, if, if that's them in that SUV just arriving here. Um, it's, and so we're just still waiting to find out, folks. Uh, and so, but I did get a text message; they're on their way. Uh, and so, and so we're we're, wait, we're waiting to actually uh, actually see. Uh, it is um, it is uh, no, that is uh, the, um, say it again, Anthony. Uh, Lil Baby the Rapper? Okay, that's Lil Baby the Rapper who uh, uh, all the media is following to the restaurant over there. No, nope, that's, that's not the floor. All the media was following them with two black SUVs pulled up. Uh, but uh, no, that is not the case. Um, Teresa Lundy, um, folks are demanding, obviously, the George Floyd Justice the Policing Act be passed in Congress. But the reality is that most laws that deal with police are state and local. What we've seen is we've seen New York deal with qualified immunity. We've deal, we've seen uh, we've seen uh, we've also seen uh, in Maryland they they get rid of the Bill of Rights uh, in Maryland, vetoing uh, that, uh, overriding the veto of Governor Larry Hogan. Uh, that was a huge development. Has not gotten lots of attention, but that's the type of action that's necessary to deal with what has happened with police in this country. Absolutely. So when we reform and police reform, there has, be, has to be commissions, there has to be statements of support, there has to be some sort of unification, not only with local laws, but also with law enforcement agencies to make sure that the police chiefs understand that the people want change. Actions that has happened in the last year since George Floyd's death, where everyone Again, in green, nine minutes, 29 seconds of a murder that has taken place live on video and, and really start to understand that this is not only an issue that happened to George Floyd. This has been an issue that has been happening throughout history. And so in order to change history, we all know it's done by legislative action. And so laws have to be made. Laws also need to be amended because there are some laws that 
uh, essentially are currently in place that also can be amended, but with the right action to do so. And that is the action of our legislators. So there's some things that we can do locally. That's why local elections are very important. Um, and, and that's why, you know, the people that we put in position, they have to be focused on the same trend. It doesn't have to be liberal. It doesn't have to be a progressive, but it has to be fair and equitable to every citizen across the board. But George, I remember last year there were a lot of people who said, hey, um, um, I don't believe public policy. I don't believe in politicians. That's why I'm protesting. You can't protest to change things if you do not understand public policy is involved. You cannot be out here protesting and saying we want things to change so a George Floyd is not murdered again if you then act as if the pol what happens on elections don't matter. They go hand in hand. Roland, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's why it's been so devastating when we see what happens in uh, Georgia when the they try to suppress black votes. And it's something that we're still fighting uh, to, to this day. In uh, the Twin Cities here uh, around the surrounding areas where George Floyd was killed, being here on the ground and, and still being here live right now in Minneapolis, what we saw was protesters start to get strategic, actually, and acknowledging that fact that they do have to think about the policies, that they do have to get out and vote. And so I covered a number of protests where the uh, civil rights attorneys involved, the organizers and community leaders involved would actually go to the homes of uh, the, the mayor, the governor, and the county attorneys, acknowledging the fact that they're the ones who are in position to either change the laws or bring forth a, an indictment on these officers who have been uh, con you know, distributing all of this uh, violence and harm in our communities. And so I couldn't agree with you more. I do think that now is time to take that energy that we had in the streets throughout uh, the last year and take it to the, the, the voting polls, take it to, um, you know, even uh, the city council meetings where decisions are being made that affect our lives and affect the ability to prevent another George Floyd from, from happening. And, and I'm t it, it, is, it is very frustrating to me, um, Ben, when we, when we have these conversations, because uh, folks say, look, I just don't believe that, that anything is going to get done. So therefore, I'm going to protest. And I get it. Uh, there is righteous anger and indignation. Uh, but the reality is we cannot divorce why it's critically important to vote for district attorneys. When you talk about Marilyn Mosby in Baltimore, Kim Fox in Chicago, Larry Krasner in Philadelphia, uh, we can go on and on and on. So many other cities, these things are happening. Look, Keith Ellison left Congress to be run for attorney general in Minnesota. He took over the case from the Hennepin County DA, and that's why you got the result in the Derek Chauvin case. He has announced he is going to be leading of the prosecution of Kim Potter, uh, the officer who killed uh, a, a, bl a black man unarmed uh, there in Minnesota. And so, again, for the folks who were, who, who, were, who were jubilant when Derek Chauvin was found guilty, well, guess what? Those things happen because you elected an attorney general who was, a, who was accountable to the people. And we saw just what happened with Andrew Womble Jr., North Carolina. 
basically sound like the defense attorney for the police in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. He is running for Superior Court judge there in Pasquotank County. I would dare say the people in Elizabeth City, if you're angry by that, make sure he doesn't get elected as a judge in that county. Absolutely, Roland. I was going to I was going to absolutely bring up Wumble um, because he reminds me of Bob McCullough in Ferguson. We've seen when you have district attorneys and prosecuting attorneys who are in league with police officers and they are so in bed with that way of thinking, that that ideology, they side with the, the people who have, are killing us. They do the role of a defense attorney. They do the role of ensuring that these police can never be held accountable. So it's incumbent upon us to have all the strategies happening at the same time. We have to have an outside strategy where we're applying pressure, and if it's necessary to take it to the streets, take it to the streets. But we also have to have an inside strategy where we understand that electing people, not only at the federal level every four years, but at the local level, is significantly important for us to make the changes that need to be made because all of our protests are significant. We can show our strength. We can show our power. But if they still maintain the levers of power, we will never get the changes that we need change in this country. Um, again, folks, uh, we are here at Black Lives Matter Plaza uh, in the nation's capital. Uh, this was one of the places uh, where the mayor uh, of uh, Washington, D.C., painted over the street. Uh, we have our, uh, our high camera. You'll be able to see. Uh, this is the street, literally, uh, that leads to the White House. You see it behind us. Uh, uh, what you will see, like, granted, we've got all this media symbol behind us. If we go to the other camera, uh, what you'll actually see is uh, the, 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 uh, the mayor, uh, Anthony. Let's get, let's get the other camera on, Anthony. Okay. Huh? Okay. All right. So, bottom line is this here, folks. Uh, this particular, uh, this street was paved uh, by Mayor uh, Miro Bowser to commemorate uh, the life of George Floyd. We then saw that take place uh, in uh, cities all across uh, the country where the exact same thing happened. It took place in New York City. Uh, and there were people who tried to paint over this. They repainted it. Uh, uh, that, that happened as well. You remember uh, when I was, uh, uh, if you guys uh, could pull it, uh, pull it, I was in uh, Houston uh, where we actually uh, had, um, uh, we were actually were there broadcasting from Jack Keats High School where George Floyd attended, my alma mater where they actually created a George Floyd mural in front of the high school uh, with the exact same thing, uh, where uh, Black Lives Matter uh, and had George Floyd's uh, football jersey. And so these signs, we've seen them pop up all across uh, the country. What this did, Teresa, this death, it also forced public officials uh, to have to say something and do something uh, and make the point that black lives do indeed matter. Yeah, and you know what? I love uh, Mayor Bowser. She is a fearless leader. Um, and again, local leaders matter. Um, be because even when she did that gesture, I remember so many people were in an uproar about uh, the paint on the on the street, but the significance of it, the significance of you know people saying Black Lives Matter, and I'm going to now paint it on the concrete so you understand that we are not going to be forgotten and we are at, you know, steps from the White House where change is supposed to happen. And so when we start looking at, you know, again, our local leaders and, and local effectiveness when it comes to laws, when it comes to accountability, when it comes to uh, equality across the board, we have to really, you know, um, not forget about, you know, the lives that have been lost and, and some of the, the, 
the uh, triumphs that have come in the midst of all these conversations. Because George Floyd has brought a lot of social justice leaders out, a lot of activists out, a lot of celebrities who are now social justice activists. Because there is never any one person who can't be a change agent. And I think this is a, a prime time in our history where we are starting to see millennials, we are starting to see the younger generation really step up in a different way that are moving the needle forward with some of these elected officials. And for those who think, you know, like I said before, public policy um, or don't really understand it, well, you know when it affects you or somebody that looks like you. So essentially, if you don't watch CNN or any other um, uh, news channel, um, take a look at some of your, you know, local channels and really start to get engaged and what's going on with your community, but not only the community, your people. Uh, folks, um, right now, and I know we have uh, Nina Turner, uh, but right now, uh, actually, let me just go ahead and pull Nina Turner right now. Uh, Nina, you're running for Congress there in Ohio. I certainly want to get uh, your thoughts on this day. Uh, you're, unfortunately, Nina, literally the George Floyd family is pulling up right now as we speak. They're supposed to be here an hour ago, but they were trapped on Capitol Hill. Uh, just want to get just, just your thoughts on what has really changed in this country from a year ago. Um, and and uh, Nina, Nina, hold tight one second. Nina, hold on one second. Something is really wrong with your audio. We literally cannot he understand anything. Audio, can y'all work with Nina on that so we can get that straight uh, on her audio, please, uh, so we can actually hear her? Okay, all right, so as you, you're seeing right here, folks, uh, this is the family uh, of George Floyd, uh, who they are arriving here at Black Lives Matter Plaza uh, in uh, the nation's capital. Uh, we're gonna be chatting with them in just a few seconds. Uh, we're also trying to get uh, the, uh, we're trying to get the, uh, the audio straight uh, of uh, Nina Turner. Uh, and so uh, they're gonna be uh, uh, coming over in just a second, uh, and we're gonna be uh, chatting with them uh, with regards to uh, uh, this day. And so uh, let's, uh, waiting on them to come on over here. Uh, let me, uh, you see, we got attorney Ben Crump uh, and others. All right. Yeah, go ahead. Gentlemen, uh, we'll just have one sit right here, and everyone else who can be uh, just okay, be right behind. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. That's what's that? Good seeing you. Good seeing you. Ben, good seeing you. Ben, good seeing you. How you doing? Hey, how's it going? Good seeing you. Good seeing you in person. What's up, Doc? Doc, good seeing you. All good. All good. All right. Now there's a, a lot of y'all. We got one actually. So we'll just have y'all stand right behind them right here. Uh, and so uh, we are. We are. Definitely uh, live. Glad to have you. Glad to have you here. So, for the folks who don't know, first of all, let's just give you a name to let for folks know who you are. I'm Felonis Floyd, brother of George Floyd. I'm Attorney Ben Crump, and along with Attorney Tommy Ramanucci, Chris Stewart, and Justin Miller, uh, we represent the family of George Floyd. We have his brother Rodney uh, Floyd, his brother Terrence Floyd. 
and his nephew, uh, Brandon Williams. Florence, I'm going to start with you. Um, I've had to interview a lot of family members on anniversaries commemorating uh, these moments. Um, how hard is it for you, your brothers, and the family on a day like this where the world's commemorating, but for you, you lost a loved one? It's, it's, it's devastating to us uh, just to wake up today knowing that this is the day that he perished on. Um, my sister called me late, like, well, early in the morning, like 12-something at night, and she called me crying because she was up just thinking about my brother and stuff like that. But, hey, I told her we got to be strong. Uh, I prayed with her. Um, we just talked about how he changed the world, and we're looking forward to being able to get that George Floyd Police Act uh, signed, and we need it because, hey, people are living in fear, and enough is enough. We just want to be able to have the same um, laws to, for us, just like uh, white America. You know, we're black, and we're living at a time where when we look up, we send people past every day somebody's being killed, innocent people. Rodney, um, every, every King Day, uh, every King Day we have events. And a lot of people don't think about what King Day means to Bernice, MLK III, uh, and Dexter, uh, Dr. King's sister. Uh, is still living as well. And so, although people are having events and they're commemorating, again, uh, for y'all, th th this is different. I mean, th this, is, this is a true uh, day of grief. Well, definitely Dr. King his, and his family, they well respected and we all love and respect and honor everything that Mr. King sacrificed his life for and his sons carrying on his legacy as well. But on our end, our brothers, our brothers is up to date, is modern day timing, and it is, whew, take a deep breath for this. But honestly, Take today time. is, today is the, uh, not Remembrance Day, and it's very hard for us. We was talking about it last night, like today's gonna be a, a big day. We didn't know what to expect, what to see. Me, my brother, nephew, and sister, she was on the phone on speaker. And honestly, if it wasn't for the people on social media, my social media pages sending messages and a lot of praising and saying, you guys, today is about, um, I know it's about your brother, but honestly, I want to say a lot of people send messages saying, how are you guys doing? Are you okay? And honestly, that felt so good making today, making today much better for us as well. Give us some courage and a lot of great happy feelings that a lot of people is caring about what's going on and about how we feeling and about today as well. And they were looking for change. Terrence, go ahead. Yeah, same question. Well, yeah, uh, as far as the MLK day, yes, he's, that's a very important day and people should understand that and know who he was and, and, and uh, really lift up and let people know who he was. So on our on our and our family, George George was symbolic as well, especially what's going on now and uh, and with his death and how he re changed the world and how he changed people's mindsets and have people, you know, in lack of better terms, woke, you know, and and that's what we would want people to stay. We want people to stay woke. 
because this is not a, a moment, it's a movement, and we wanted to keep going on as well. Just, just remember him just like you remember MLK and Malcolm X and everybody. Philonis, we're, we're on Black Lives Matter Plaza here in D.C. Uh, and uh, in cities all across the country, uh, these murals were only created after the death of George Floyd. Um, and it forced a reckoning uh, in this country. Uh, your assessment uh, of that reckoning in the last year, uh, do you believe that uh, America has changed or it has caused um, a sense of understanding and, you know, I'm wearing the shirt uh, y'all sent me, uh, Dave Enlightenment. I know I got it. I got it. Y'all sent me the mask, the hat. I got the shirt. I had to wear my show hat now. Come on now. I, you know, you can't wear three items and look together. Uh, but do you believe that uh, this has really caused something in this country, that there has been a shift since May 25th, 2020? Yeah, I, I believe that uh, George represented change when he was tortured to death for nine minutes. Uh, people looked at that video. A lot of people didn't know how to explain that to their children. Uh, it was horrific. The things that what happened, the things that happened to him, I wouldn't want to see for an animal. And you had so many people who stepped out. I'm talking about during a pandemic. COVID was out. And they put their lives on the line for what was right. Uh, I have many people hit me all the time, constantly. They all say the same thing. Your brother will get justice. We will get accountability for him. Because the things that happened to him, we will have to get out and change laws. So we're always going to be active like this to try to help because that George Floyd Policing Act, it needs to be passed because it's blood on that bill. We need meaningful legislation. We have to get out and continue to sit here and, and preach out loud for everybody around the world. The activists, uh, even the older guys like Al Sharpton who've been doing this for years, they all been trying their best for years to stop the things that are going on. But today, was a great day that we all had a chance just to sit there and just speak the same way we always have. Ben, proud of y'all coming here. Um, I, I told the audience that black blood has always been, black blood has always been spilled uh, in this country, unfortunately. If you think about the 64 Civil Rights Act, uh, black blood was spilled that led to that. The 65 Voting Rights Act, black blood was led to spill for that. It shouldn't be the case, but the reality is that that is the case. Uh, you've had to deal with other deaths after George Floyd. So the reality is, even though he died, that we still are dealing with uh, these issues across the country. Yeah. And Roland, we have been fighting this uh, battle uh, since Trayvon Martin, even before Trayvon Martin. Yep. I know National Bar Association President C.K. Hoffler is here with us, and we talked about how many people have been killed since May 25, 2020, when George Floyd was tortured to death. And the fact that we have to pass this bill, and the reason we have to pass this bill is because we see that we continue to have unjustified, unnecessary, and unconstitutional deaths. How many black men have been shot in the back since George Floyd? When you really think about it, 
You have Anthony McClain, who was shot in the back, running away literally out of his shoes in Pasadena, California. You have Trayford Pellerin in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, shot in the back after George Floyd. You have Dijon Kenzie shot in the back in Los Angeles County after George Floyd. You have Rayshard Brooks in Atlanta, Georgia, shot in the back after George Floyd. You have Andre Hill in Columbus, Ohio, shot after George Floyd. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And until we pass this bill, I predict every week we'll have another black person shot unjustifiably until we can get accountability from the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. You had me, so y'all were meeting today. You met at the White House, President Joe Biden, went to Capitol Hill, uh, Senators Tim Scott, Lindsey Graham, Senators Cory Booker. As of right now, where are we? with that particular bill. You know, it's funny because Monique Presley, who uh, is on your show and I work with a lot. Yeah, Monique and attorney Tony Ramanucci, we literally posed those questions, uh, Roland, and they feel very confident that we're going to have meaningful legislation that will bear the name of George Floyd that is going to be passed by the United States Senate and sent to President Biden. And they said, we literally have never been this close to having meaningful police reform. They are trying to define terms, but they say all the issues are on the table being negotiated. Nobody has walked away from the table. And so, Roland, both Senator Booker and Senator Scott and Senator Lindsey Graham and Congresswoman Karen Bass, the main negotiators, said if there's anything that we can do is tell people that we should say it's about working together. We should not draw lines in the sand because right now we're so close, finally after 57 years, to having police reform on the federal level in America. Out of all the issues, is qualified immunity uh absolute meaning it has to be in the bill are there any absolutes that have to be there we've had a lot of conversation about that congressman jim clyburn has said hey not necessarily activists have said absolutely congresswoman maxine waters for you and the floyd family what absolutely must be in this bill in order for you to define it as meaningful i, I will go first it has to be absolute that it is a meaningful bill that will prevent the unnecessary and unjustifiable killings of black people and marginalized people of color. Now, will this bill stop the police from ever killing a black person again? Absolutely not. But we pray that with accountability, that will be a deterrent for seeing this epidemic that we're seeing happen over and over again. I mean, a new hashtag is happening every other week. We can't even keep up, Roland Martin. Right. And so that's what has to happen. It has to prevent some of these needless deaths at the hands of the people who are supposed to protect and serve us. Were you going to speak on One of y'all want to speak on that? Brandon, you want to say anything about it? I think you were, you, you, you were trying to bring the bit to speak on that. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Crump, basically, he said everything that I wanted to say. I just want a meaningful bill. Anything that my brother's name on it, I wanted to be meaningful. Uh, when he passed, he was an asset to us. 
and we miss him, and we, we wish he still was here, but many people have passed behind him, and there's a lot of African-American people being killed for nothing. Um, we were in the courthouse 10 miles away. Uh, Dante Wright was killed. We had to come out and speak about what was going on, right. and I also tried to console his mother. Uh -oh. Yep, I, I was just saying, oh, Go ahead. Okay. And the only thing I just wanted to add is, you know, globally, the world is watching, Roland. The world is watching. And what happens here is going to have an impact on what happens globally in terms of policing reform. So we stand, many countries stand in solidarity with Black Lives Matter and what's happening here. And so it's very, very important that the George Floyd Justin Policing Act get passed and people need to call their senators and ask them and beg them to pass the George Floyd Justin Policing Act. Ben, you said you have an update? Yeah, I, 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 I just want to share with you verbatim what Senator Lindsey Graham said in the hour-long meeting with him and uh, Senator Tim Scott and the family. He said, I've never been more hopeful of this police reform bill. I met with people from both sides of the aisle as committed as I have ever been about making sure we pass this bill. We are anticipating a resolution very soon. So we're gonna do this here. So uh, Ben, you and I talked, and then he said, have folks meet here like we did last time. So there's a lot of media here. So they'll take questions. We're still we're still we're still live streaming set up, uh, and so we can do that. And so, uh, who has a question? Okay. Question. Media, uh, uh, media first, yeah. right here. Okay. Um, people of color in the United States is targeting the police systemic brutality and policy. What would be the message for the Latino community that has been in the streets during George Floyd? Um, the so the question he just posed is, what would be the message for Latinos uh, when it comes to the death of George Floyd and what they should also be doing? Yeah. yeah, it's been a lot of our Latino brothers and sisters that have been out protesting with us, saying until we get justice for George Floyd, none of us can breathe. And so often when we talk, we talk about marginalized people of color, that includes all of us. And most importantly, Roland, is we talk about making America live up to its rhetoric with liberty and justice for all. Well, that doesn't mean just white people. That means black people. That means brown people. That means red people. That means native people. That means all of us. And so that's what we say to our Latino brothers. All of us are included in this historical moment. Right here. You guys were talking about your meeting with lawmakers up on Capitol Hill with President Biden. Is there any kind of middle ground? Is there somewhere that you're willing to meet if, for say, uh, somebody isn't willing to come um, full circle on, on the George Floyd policing act? I'll have Attorney Tony Ramanucci address this. So the question was that, uh, uh, did you hear a question? Can you repeat it? Or, yeah, I, yeah I just, it's mostly just you've been speaking to lawmakers all day. You spoke to President Biden, you spoke to lawmakers on the Hill. Are you seeing that there is going to be a consensus on this bill? And if not, is there any kind of middle ground that you're willing to meet with these lawmakers at? I think the consensus that we're seeing across the aisle here is that everybody wants accountability. Everyone wants to see officers accountable. And what I also heard today, which I haven't heard in a while, is transparency. For example, 
I think everybody is committed to getting the, the National Registry database done so that we know which police officers should be on the force so that if they don't belong, they can get fired. Um, I think there's going to be input from the major chiefs potentially about what they would like to see. So I think accountability and transparency is something that we do see that there's a commitment from both sides of the aisle. And then from the, just quick for, the, for the, anybody from the family, it's just if you feel like there is actually movement and that there is actually going to be change coming from something like this. And, and, and you, I'm happy to take it from anyone. Well, all we can do is honestly just stand by and hope. And hope is a beautiful word. Hope is a beautiful word. Understand the meaning of hope. We're just hoping that we get what we want in this building, hopefully it get passed. That's all we can do is honestly hope. Thank you. Yeah, this is a family. They're not politicians. All they can do is come and bear their heart and pray that we have responsible leadership that says enough is enough. Right. CK, did you want to say something on that? And, and quite frankly, the American people need to fight for justice. Enough is enough for this family. Enough is enough for everybody. Enough is enough for the American people. And that's what this is about. Money. 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 Can you repeat the question? Go ahead. She just, spoke, she just spoke about in terms of what the American people should do. There were massive amounts of people protesting a year ago. Um, where are those folks? What, what do you have to say to those people, the millions of people who were in the streets? What should they be doing right now when it comes to what's happening in the United States Senate? Uh, first of all, uh, protest positively. But more than anything, protest and use your voice, uh, I think, is needed. Um, when you look at a year ago, the way people came out in the middle of a pandemic, it showed that, for one, people understood exactly what's going on in this country and that it was a huge problem and that it needs to be addressed. And the only way to address it is to stand up, go out, use your voice, and, and make the people in leadership understand where we're coming from, make them feel us and make us hear us, and lead them with no option but to take action, make changes, change laws, change policies, and um, just continue to demand that we get a lot of these um, these questions and these um, situations answered, that these officers be held accountable, that you can't just get away with killing innocent black men and women unjustifiably. And Monique, should they be... have a day in court. And Monique, should they be deluging Capitol Hill with phone calls, emails, every U.S. senator, because at the end of the day, if you're out the streets protesting last year for George Floyd, you should be fighting for the bill. Absolutely. So what I would say is for every person who's marched over this past year, from last year, this day to now, what you did was not in vain. The only reason that we are able to be here today this close is because of the work of this family in the middle of their grief the fact that they shouldered their own grief and cared more about this country than their own individual interests. They do not have to be here. They are here because they are patriots. They are here because they care about their community. They care about people who are coming behind them. So what you did, we need you to keep on doing. If you know how to tweet, send one out. If you can hold a talking group for your own family, for your community, please do it now. If you know your member of Congress, call them, text them. Every single one that we spoke to this time and a few weeks ago said that it matters. When they hear from everyday Americans of all walks of life who care about this issue, and if you have any means of influence, please, now is the time to use it. Don't, don't at all 
all think that it doesn't matter. Keep the main thing the main thing. This bill is going to save lives. Don't listen to any messages about how it's meaningless. It is not. If we get the things that we heard today they are working on getting, it's going to save the lives of our children and our grandchildren and make a difference for people of all races and creeds. One of the things that uh, you mentioned earlier at the White House was that you wanted a good bill, not a rush bill. Uh, did lawmakers give you any type, type of timetable as to when that bill may be a good bill? Well, they, they had thoughts on when it might happen, but we don't want to pigeonhole them and give any kind of deadlines. What we want is a good bill. And if they're working as hard as they have told us they're working, we'll get a good bill sooner rather than later. Remember, it's been 57 years, so if we have to go a couple of more weeks, then I'm okay with that as long as we can get a good bill. Will you guys be returning to Washington at any point in the next couple of weeks? The families committed as well as other families have said they would come to Washington every week if need be to get uh, proper legislation passed that would prevent other families from having to go through what they're going through. Any other questions? Yes. Right here. Um, if if the, the bill is not satisfying for you, are you ready to say not in George's name? We won't sign it. We won't endorse yeah. it. Uh, yeah, the the family has always said it had to be a meaningful bill if it's going to bear his name because his blood is on that legislation, and I I think Felonis can say it better than me. That's what I said. <laughs> uh, look. What's going on in America? You can clearly see this right now. Um, it's two. It's two justice system. So we need to get together as one and get this situation straight. Because my brother, like I'm gonna say again, we loved him, and there's so many other families out there who love their family members. COVID didn't take them out. They didn't die of natural causes. They died because of police brutality. They they didn't treat them with any respect any dignity and they had no support um, to them. Those people are going to be remembered because just like the fallen soldiers, they are the same thing. They are honorary soldiers because they should still be here living. People have kids. Gianna was here today and her father, she had to hear people talk about her father over and over again. And she knows that her dad changed the world. But at the same time, you don't know how she's grieving. You don't know what she's going through. You don't know what we're going through. But you see me, I cry all the time. So imagine her behind closed doors. So we need to get this George Floyd Policing Act passed pronto, whenever we have that option. Because blood is on that bill. It's others, not just here, all across the world, that are standing behind this. This is supposed to be the land of the free. People fight to get here. Why are they fighting to get somewhere if you're going to have innocent people dying? Not just uh, African-American people, Latino people, uh, Asian people. People are fighting for their lives right now. That's why you are ready to come back to Washington regularly to put pressure on the lawmakers? Whatever I have to do to get this law passed, I will do that. That's why I go to different states like L.A., anywhere we have to, because we're all out there for the same thing. We want freedom.
We want to be able to walk in peace. We want to be able to live without fear. We want to be able to go places and understand that we shouldn't be pulled over for anything that's not resulting for us speeding or something. Don't just pull me over because of the color of my skin. My skin is not a weapon. You had no reason to kill me. Any other questions? Any other questions? Any other questions from media? Final, final comments. Um, you spoke about Georgia's daughter uh, 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 being here. Um, so many others have had to deal with this and children uh, uh, now growing up without mothers and fathers. Um, what, how have you as a family, um, how are you dealing with that uh, in terms of embracing her and getting in and, and, and making sure she understands that her dad is gone uh, but she's got a, a whole bunch of other folk uh, who are still with her I didn't hear the question. Go ahead. Rodney <laughs> well Gianna ha has a great support system and I mean not just not just us I mean her mother her aunties her cousins uh, new friends and family her brother have a lot of celebrity support you know the situation touched everyone let's get that clear everyone and so many people reach out to us asking how's Gianna doing how is she doing how's her mother doing I mean so it's a lot of love and the mom knows we love her we get her the same support but honestly again on our darkest days the, the best support come from random people in the streets and the messages you get receive on social media Ben Crump final thing for you there's somebody who's watching, who's listening, and they're like, you know what? I just simply don't think my, my voice absolutely matters. Uh, look at that camera right there uh, and tell them. What do you have to say to that person who's, who says, I'm in a state, I got two Republican senators, that's a waste of a phone call, a waste of an email, I don't need to give them a call. What do you say to them? It is very simple, Roland. The reason I fight this fight is because I know we're gonna win this war. Uh, you know, our ancestors, DNA is pumping through our veins, and they literally were told slavery would never end, but they kept fighting, and sl we overcame slavery. They said segregation will always be the reality in America, separate but equal. Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, John Lewis, and so many others kept fighting, and we overcame segregation. And so when they say to us today, Roland Martin, that you know, we would never have equality in policing. We won't ever have it where our children can expect equal justice under the law. Well, I say to them, based on our precedents of what black people have overcome in America, what other minorities have overcome in America, your voice will make the difference, not just for yourself, but for your children. And more importantly, children yet unborn will know that you stood up for them to say that their lives matter as we sit here on Black Lives Matter Plaza in front of the White House. Ben Polonius, Rodney, Terrence, gentlemen, final comment for you. Hey, I want everybody to understand that you all need to get out and vote. Because your vote matter. Why you think they're trying to take it away from you? So if you get out and you get your other friends to get out, especially the young people that go to the clubs, bring them to the, to the voting section. And I guarantee you how happy you all be. Because right now, you're going through it.
you all have to have talks with your own kids. Hey, hey, when you get pulled over, let down all the windows for the police officers when he's walking up. He won't have a reason to kill you because he's saying you're reaching for anything. We don't want to have to go through that. So we all need to get out and vote, no matter what race. We all are the same people. We bleed the same thing, and that's red. Gentlemen, I, ladies and gentlemen, I certainly appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, our thoughts and prayers will continue to be with you uh, and your family uh, in this day and all days moving forward. Thank you. Thank you so I appreciate much, it. Y'all keep representing for H-Town. <laughs> third I, one, third, JK's, third one, JY. That's right. <laughs> he won a championship with him. JY, oh, JY yeah. till the day I die. He won a championship well, with him. Okay. JY? Class of 87. JY. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Hey. Oh, <laughs> I appreciate it, my brother. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, what's up, man? What's going on? Folks, um, that was, excuse me, brother, excuse me, we're still live. So y'all going to cross, walk around. Thank you. Folks, uh, that was uh, the George Floyd family here, Black Lives Matter Plaza in Washington, D.C., uh, with the attorney Ben Crump uh, and others as well. Uh, this is, of course, uh, as you see, the shirt I'm wearing, uh, they, this is a day of enlightenment. Uh, as uh, they, uh, again, spent the day at the White House with President Joe Biden on Capitol Hill with uh, U.S. Senators uh, Tim Scott, Lindsey Graham, Cory Booker, uh, doing all they can to ensure uh, that this George Floyd Justice Act uh, gets passed. Uh, folks, let me know if we still have uh, Nina Turner, who is running for uh, Congress of Ohio. Did we get our audio straight? Okay, all right. Uh, all right, Nina, are you there? I'm here, Roland. Uh, all right, got it, Nina. Sorry about that. Uh, breaking, you know how breaking news works. Uh, when uh, it, it happens, you got to go with it. Um, just as I was saying before, before we uh, broke away from you, uh, just uh, again, your thoughts on this day, uh, what took place a year ago, uh, and and do you think things have changed? That we're moving more towards uh, justice for folks like the George Floyd family. Well, it was very uh, heartening to listen to George Ford, uh, George Floyd's family and also attorney Benjamin Crump really reflect on why they fight so hard so that George's death will not be in vain and also for future generations. I will say that certainly his murder sparked protests all over the world. And in that spark, people were determined to push for policy measures that will have material changes. So I, too, remain hopeful. It seems as though the conversations that they have been having have been fruitful. And I do agree with Attorney Crump that it will be better to get a, a piece of legislation passed that is meaningful than to rush it just for the sake of rushing it. There's lots of work that needs to be done, not just on the federal level, but also on the state and local levels of government as well. Uh, you were running for Congress there in Ohio. The bill passed the House. Uh, and, and the reality is this here. The, what we've seen is we've seen um, substantive change happen because of progressive voices. Typically, Republicans uh, have been uh, huge supporters uh, of police. And so what we're now seeing is that uh, we're seeing what happens when uh, voices who are uh, serious about these issues are elected, not just to Congress, but also on the state level and the local level as well. And so when people say, you know, politics, man, it, it, it doesn't change anything. The reality is the poly in policy is politics. That's it. That's it, brother. And, and you know, again, Brother Crump laid it out. I mean, he took the history part of it 
And that is something that I'm steeped in and I always use as examples. We must never give in, never relent. Justice is not a destination. It is, in fact, a journey. So your point is well taken, that even when when it feels as though the movement is not happening, it is. The earth is shaking. Things are changing. Why? Because we who believe in freedom, you know, to quote the great Ella Baker, cannot rest. And what you see happening right now because of the death of George Floyd is people from all walks of life coming out there and visibly showing that we cannot rest. And that means that we keep pushing elected officials, keeping their feet to the fire and making them have a consequence rolling, quite frankly, if they don't come through. Now, there's some things like this matter right here, the George Floyd Police Act, that we can't play games with it. This must happen. And if it does not happen, then 2022 is right around the corner. There must be a consequence for it not happening. Um, you're running there in Ohio to replace Congresswoman Marsha Fudge. Uh, you start, serve as a state official. Uh, Congress is a whole different beast. Uh, how is that? Uh, how is that race going? It's going well, uh, Roland. The progressive movement is fully in support of this race. I am running on an opportunity agenda to lift or center the poor, the working poor, and the barely middle class in ways that it has not been centered heretofore. And all over the country, we have received donations from all over the country, including the District of Columbia, and certainly in my district in every single zip code. People are taking this race very seriously and seeing that this race is part of that progressive movement that we're talking about. Not only am I running to lift my district, understanding that uh, I have cities in my district who are among the poorest cities in the country, that the needs are certainly great for Medicare for All, for canceling student debt, for a Green New Deal that also makes sure that people are employed, to make sure that people have pay, paid family uh, medical leave. You name it, we need it. I also understand that running in this district and winning in this district by extension is really standing up for my state and also this great nation. So I'm excited, uh, Roland, about what is happening here. I have been endorsed by the mayor of the city of Cleveland, you know, Democrats from across the spectrum, those who run a little more moderate than I do, and those who roll progressive just like me. The whole entire gambit has endorsed my race, and it shows very clearly that I am a bridge builder. Yes, I am a progressive. I am an unbossed Democrat, to quote the great Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, but I am, in fact, a bridge builder, and our, my race reflects that, from elected officials to labor leaders to grassroots leaders. All right, Nina Turner, uh, running for Congress there in Ohio. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much for joining us uh, on this day, uh, the one-year anniversary of the death of George Floyd. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Folks, uh, right now, I, I want to go to uh, to uh, our next guest, uh, Tashira Garraway. She's with Families Supporting Families Against Police Violence. Tashira, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, doing great. Uh, you heard the George Floyd family there. Uh, they are part of, we always say this, they are part of a fraternity or sorority no one wants to be a part of. Uh, and uh, it is something, and, and what people don't realize uh, is that when these cases happen, they, these are just regular, ordinary people who now are thrust uh, into uh, the limelight, something they never asked for. So they lose a loved one, but they also, uh, in many ways, are being asked to become activists, if you will, uh, for change. That is not an easy thing. No, it's not an easy thing. And um, it's pretty much what happened to me, uh, where the father of my son, Justin Tigan, 
And also my fiance was brutally beat to death by the police here in Minnesota and thrown inside of a trash dumpster August 19, 2009. And for 11 years, I've been fighting for justice for him. And um, I have been pretty much forced to be in a position of becoming an activist and now organizing the families around Minnesota that lost their loved ones at the hands of law enforcement. I'm actually sitting here with the significant other of Travis Jordan, who was killed in a mental health crisis by the Minneapolis police. So we must understand that there was hundreds of murders, literally 470 murders at the hands of police here in Minnesota that led up to George Floyd. In the last 20 years, in Minnesota alone, there's been almost 500 bodies that led up to George Floyd. And today, a year ago, the truth, the truth was revealed about what's really going on here in the state of Minnesota. It is, um, it is never an easy thing. Um, yes. I'll ask you what I asked them. And that is public policy has to get changed, which means that all those millions who were in the streets last year, they need to be blowing the phone lines up of every United States senator. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, I'm shocked that this street is empty. I know there's a rally happening at Lafayette Park. Uh, there's a candlelight vigil. But I'm, but I'm, but I'm actually very surprised uh, that we did not see uh, mass mobilization on this day. Yes, um, you know, I think when it first happened, it struck everyone, but we have to understand that our eyes have been opened and George Floyd's murder opened the eyes of a lot of people. But there is still some people that turn a blind eye and don't want to see or know the truth, but we will continue to push for that. And um, we will continue to push for the laws that permitted this to happen that led up to George Floyd, we will continue to push for those laws, those rules to change. Um, and we, we have legislation that we are fighting for. Um, and we have people that are pushing back. We must understand that it was it's not just the police. It is a whole system that has created these murders that have worked together to strategically cover up the murders uh, that led up to George Floyd. The BCA, the Criminal Bureau of Apprehension, the police departments, the county attorneys, the legislators, they have all worked it together to keep these murders under the rug. And the truth came out a year ago. So we will continue to push and, and we need people to be picking up their phones, calling people like Warren Limmer, someone here in the state of Minnesota that's holding up the legislation and won't give hearings to police accountability bills. His name is Warren Limmer. And so we must hold people like that accountable or get them removed out of the seat. Um, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, we, th we thank you uh, for your advocacy, for your work. Uh, and uh, please uh, keep it up. Uh, we need folks on the front lines of the Shira Galloway family supporting families against police violence. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Uh, folks, so we're here uh, right now broadcasting live on Black Lives Matter Plaza uh, in the nation's capital in Washington, D.C.
Uh, we're now joined by Congresswoman Barbara Lee uh, out of the Bay Area, Oakland, California. She joins us uh, here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Always glad to have you on the show, Congresswoman Lee. Be with your own. Just want to get your thoughts uh, uh, again. Uh, this is the uh, the first anniversary of George Floyd's death. Uh, do you believe uh, we've had substantive change uh, or significant change uh, in this country uh, since this day one year ago? Well, first, uh, you know, today, Roland, is a very, uh, in many ways, a very sad day. Uh, and uh, I still want to offer my condolences and prayers to Mr. Floyd's family and, and the community because this was a day that uh, really, uh, I think, showed the world the brutality of what takes place in America as it relates to African Americans uh, dating back 401 years ago. So in many respects, um, it, this is a somber day, but it's a day that we have to recommit ourselves to what um, the Floyd family, of course, has talked about and fought for since Mr. Floyd's death. And that's not only dealing with criminal justice reform, but structural racism and systemic racism. And uh, I just have to say, I think what has changed uh, in the last year is that people are beginning to talk about and use the word racism, structural racism. People are beginning to understand or at least see what we talk about, when, see what we mean when we talk about systemic racism, systemic change. I think people are beginning to understand the trajectory between 401 years ago in terms of uh, the first enslaved Africans being brought to America, the institution of slavery, uh, segregation, Jim Crow, lynching, mass incarceration, police brutality, misconduct, murders, uh, disproportionate rates of COVID uh, the virus killing uh, African-Americans, black and brown people, you know, all of the issues that we deal with as it relates to systemic racism. I think people are beginning to at least know what we're talking about, whether they agree or not. It's out there now. This is a day of reckoning. It's a truth telling moment. And that's why it's so important that we pass again, H.R. 40 uh, reparations um, as it relates to African-Americans and Repair, begin to repair this damage of the past. We've got to do that. And H.R. Uh, 19, calling for a truth, uh, racial healing and transformation commission. I mean, these are some issues that are so deep that now they've been brought to the surface as a result of the, the horrific murder of Mr. Floyd that we have to move forward uh, on our fight for true justice in this country. Let's talk about this third reconstruction resolution that you and the Poor People's Campaign uh, have been advocating. Um, uh, it is something that uh, I've long said, that, and I said after George Floyd's death, that, that this really should be the third reconstruction, uh, that the failure of the first two dealt with the issue of money. It dealt with the issue of economics. Uh, it, the first one, of course, was 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment. The second one, uh, really after the death of Emmett Till, Brownberg's Board of Education, it dealt with uh, Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, Fair Housing Act. Uh, but the reality is, unless we deal with the issue of money, we are not going to actually truly have a real reconstruction. That's exactly it, Roman. And so I've been working with uh, Bishop Barber over the last few years in the Poor People's Campaign. Uh, Reverend Theo Harris, uh, and we've worked and put together a uh, resolution really talking about the economics of, of poverty, first of all, and pathways out of poverty. 
and it's so important. Uh, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal and the Progressive Caucus have joined us in this effort. A couple of things we have to recognize in the uh, over 250,000 people a year die from conditions related to poverty. Secondly, poverty is a policy is a policy choice. It's not a personal one. Uh, seven dollars and twenty-five cents an hour minimum wage. Come on, Roland. Who can make it on seven twenty-five? I don't care where you live in the country. So we call for an increase of the minimum wage to a living wage of fifteen dollars and more. Uh, we're calling for in this resolution to really look at the formula uh, as it relates to the standard of living and how the federal government calculates it. Because based on our calculations, there are 140 million people living below the poverty line. Of course, the percentages of African Americans living below the poverty line are the highest, but the numbers, of course, uh, are very high for uh, the Latino community, Native American community, AAPI community, and, and white people who are low wage and low wealth. And so we've got to address this systemically. And yes, it's about economics, but also this resolution with the pathways that we have developed through these legislative uh, solutions really reflect not only a moral uh, vision where we should be as a country, but also reflects um, how we get there and why uh, economics is so important and how if we lift people out of poverty, uh, provide for good paying jobs, provide for opportunities for economic growth and business development, black business development, then the country benefits. The economics of it works out where this country will be even, would have the ability to grow faster because of uh, the economics of lifting people out of poor, more money out of the poverty, more money to spend, more businesses created, more jobs created in our communities. I want to ask my panelists the opportunity to ask you a question. Uh, Teresa, your question for Congresswoman Barbara Lee. Hi, Congresswoman. Uh, it is uh, an honor and privilege to be with you today um, as we talk about effective change here in America. Um, so what is it that we can do, um, you know, in order to kind of help move the needle forward um, on some of these issues? Thanks for that. And I was listening to the uh, prior interview with, with uh, Roland, and I think the political action is so important. And I'm so uh, proud of uh, Black Lives Matter and our activists, our protesters, our, our young people who took to the streets and who are demanding change. And so registering to vote and holding your elected officials accountable. We're talking about now passing the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Well, uh, Roland's right. We need to be on the phone, everyone, calling these senators, uh, making sure they get emails, texts, going to their offices to say, look, you have got to support this modest first step, and that is passing this legislation. And so I think political action has got to be key so that we can have elected officials who are for the people who understand the issues that the black community historically uh, has had to deal with, uh, such as police murders, oppression, uh, mass incarceration, and say, okay, we're going to deal with this structurally. Now, we're not going to tinker around the edges anymore. So on a policy level and on a funding level, at the federal level, we have to have elected officials, members of the House and the Senate, who are going to do the right thing. And that requires reg voter registration, beating back these voter suppression laws, civic engagement, and, and organizing and hitting the streets and making sure that our voices are heard. Uh, let's see, uh, Benjamin, your question for Congresswoman Barbara Lee. 
Congresswoman Lee, thank you so much for being here. I wanted to ask you about uh, two policies in particular uh, that seem to always have a uh, hard time in the conversation, the national conversation, Medicare for all. And even now, just yesterday, the Biden administration mentioned that they may not be doing any forgiveness of loans, at least in this, this current round of legislation. Uh, could you speak about those two issues, not only from the progressive perspective, but more specifically how it impacts the black community um, and, and in context of what you're saying in terms of H.R. 40 and reparations? Uh, what would those two bills do potentially for the black community? Sure. In terms of um, Medicare for all, first of all, our community, I mean, we understand and see these underlying conditions that our community uh, has been dealing with forever as it relates to health care, uh, as manifested in the COVID pandemic, disproportionate rates of transmission of the virus and deaths. There's racism, systemic racism in our health care system. Racism, uh, and we finally got the CDC to declare that racism is a public health issue. And so our community needs affordable, accessible health care. I supported, uh, and when I was in the legislature, the first single-payer bill in California in the 90s, I fully support Medicare for All because we have to have a system, a health care system, that provides for accessible, affordable health care. And we have to do it for everyone. Uh, health care is a basic human right. And Dr. King and all of those who came before us fought for justice in this country, talked about health care as being a right. And so, yes, I support Medicare for all. And we're moving fast, I think, in terms of making sure, quickly, in terms of making sure that we bring on co-sponsors. I think we're over probably 100 and some co-sponsors now on the Medicare for all bill. So I hope that our community understands that this is about universal, accessible, affordable, good quality health care, which we have never had in this country because of racism. And on the loan forgiveness, are you talking about student loan debt forgiveness, sir? Yes, student loan debt yeah. forgiveness. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, black, our young black students need this because when they get out of, of college, uh, they're saddled with debt. I, I talked to a young man, $60,000, $70,000 worth of debt. He doesn't know what he's going to do, how he's going to take care of his family, because he has to pay off the student debt. And so I am fighting for, uh, and I'm on all of the bills uh, requiring student loan forgiveness. Uh, we need to forgive the student debt. I'm not sure why the Biden administration is not going to do that, but that is a policy that directly impacts the African-American community, our young people, because they deserve to be able to get out of college and, and move forward with their lives without being saddled with student debt. And, and so I'm not sure what is taking place in the thinking and the analysis over in the White House about that, but you best to know I'm going to find out. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Georgia. Congressman Lee, it is a pleasure to be here with you this evening. My question uh, to you is is about solutions for gun violence. I'm headquartered in Minneapolis, and I've been following the developments following the murder of George Floyd. And it has been heartbreaking to see this community and this movement fractured. There was this, this call for reform in the police, defunding the police, all of these different ideas basically centered in reimagining public safety. But before the community could agree on one direction to move, we saw this uptick in gun violence. And now the black community in Minnesota is divided. 
those who feel like police is the answer to solve the gun violence, blaming those who support defunding the police. Uh, and so I have struggled as a journalist in really reporting on this and, and trying to censor a message of hope. What are some solutions that uh, maybe you have seen in, in your community or other communities across the nation to address gun violence? Sure, and these messages of hope are extremely important right now because, uh, yes, in my community, the uh, rates of gun violence, gun violence, uh, they're going up. They're going up everywhere. Uh, and it's been an uh, upward, unfortunate trajectory since the COVID pandemic. And the first thing we have to do is pass and demand that this gun safety legislation pass. There are too many guns on the streets of America. Too many people, too many young people are getting their hands on guns. And we have to just call it like it is and say, we, we need to get rid of these guns. And I know the dilemma now, the, the discussion and debate in the black community, because, uh, you know, uh, we've experienced gun violence uh, forever in our communities. And so, you know, it's a very uh, important moment for us to say we still have to stay the course and say no more guns. And then look at our resources and how we put resources into uh, real public safety and give our young people some hope. You know, uh, many people now uh, who um, have uh, a lot of issues, a lot of stress, trauma, mental health issues, they're, they're getting their hands on guns and unfortunately they're using them. They're, they're committing um, some horrific crimes. And so we have to understand the underlying causes and address some of the systemic issues. And that is we've got to find alternatives for our young people value them, respect them, make sure that they know that they uh, have people who want them to get their education, who support them, who support them getting a job and who are helping to do the work. But we have to get these guns off the street and we have to understand that this pandemic has created havoc in our communities, which have led to this uh, rise in, in crime and in gun violence, which uh, we have to address. We can't uh, explain it away or duck and dodge it, but we have to say guns uh, and violence is not acceptable in our community if we really believe that in nonviolence and believe in uh, reimagining policing and public safety for everyone. Yeah. I couldn't agree All with right, you more. Congresswoman Barbara Lee. Yes, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, it's always great uh, to have you on the show. Uh, we look forward to, uh, I'm a huge believer in Reverend Barbara and uh, supporting the Poor People's Campaign and so certainly uh, in support of this uh, third reconstruction resolution. Thank you so much. Nice being with you. Thank you for being our voice out there and, and being uh, the, a truth teller, Roland. Really appreciate it. Uh, uh, thank you so very much. All right, folks, uh, we're going to go to a break. Uh, on this uh, day uh, where we are commemorating the life and legacy of George Floyd, uh, killed one year ago today in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk with the head of the NAACP there in Minneapolis. We'll also talk about corporations. More than $50 billion was promised to African Americans. Where's the money? That's next on Roller Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Black Lives Matter Plaza, the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Racial injustice is a scourge on this nation, and the black community has felt it for generations. We have an obligation to 
do something about it. Whether it's canceling student debt, increasing the minimum wage, or investing in Black-owned businesses, the Black community deserves so much better. I'm Nina Turner, and I'm running for Congress to do something about it. Shortly after 9-11, America and its allies went to war in Afghanistan to defeat a terrorist stronghold. We accomplished that mission years ago. Trillions of dollars lost, over 2,000 Americans dead, countless Afghans dead. It's time to get out. Many presidents have tried to end the war in Afghanistan, but President Biden is actually going to do it. And by 9-11, over 20 years after the war was started, the last American soldier will depart, and America's longest war will be over. Promise made, promise kept. Carl Payne pretended to be Roland Martin. Holla! Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, welcome back to Roland Martin Unfiltered. We're broadcasting live here from Black Lives Matter Plaza in the nation's capital uh, on this day uh, where George Floyd uh, was killed one year ago in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, the folks in Minneapolis, uh, they took to the streets uh, immediately after uh, his death, uh, raising awareness all across the country. It was their protest that then spread across the nation and then across the globe. Uh, not only raising the attention regarding the death of George Floyd, but also the other cases in Minneapolis where African-Americans have died uh, at the hands of police. One of the folks, of course, uh, who's been uh, in the forefront of that uh, is my next guest, uh, Leslie Richmond. Uh, she joins us, a leader there of the Minneapolis NAACP. Leslie, how you doing? How you doing, Roland? Leslie Redman, and I'm the recent president for the Minneapolis NAACP. Gotcha. All right, then, Leslie, certainly uh, glad to see you again. Uh, earlier, I had the George Floyd family here. Uh, they spent time at the White House on Capitol Hill. Uh, they made it perfectly clear uh, that the George Floyd Justice Act uh, needs to pass here. Uh, but give us your assessment of what has been happening there in Minneapolis. The attention uh, was on that city with the, with the trial of uh, Derek Chauvin. Uh, to see the blue wall crumble, if you will, testifying against him. Then, of course, we had uh, the shooting of a nearby uh, town during that trial, Deontay Wright, who, who was killed as well. And so uh, what has changed in Minneapolis? Has, have things changed? Uh, are people still uh, taking to the streets? So just give us a sense of what's happening in the city one year later. One year later, and there are hundreds of people gathering at George Floyd Square, the location where Brother George Floyd was murdered. Everyone recognizes that one conviction and a little bit of accountability is not enough. Minnesota has some of the worst racial disparities in the nation. And so to answer your question, no, enough has not changed. People are still struggling. We saw during the trial of um, 
former officer Chauvin, Dante Wright, was murdered in a nearby city, as you said. And I think that that's just a reminder, right, that in order for us to be true to Brother George Floyd and the fight is that we have to continue to fight for systemic reform. Similar to the national landscape, we've seen that the legislature has held up a lot of bills. We've been going around them to the post board um, and trying to make sure that we're banning white supremacists from being in the police department, protecting protesters and their rights. And obviously, we have a really good police chief, Chief Arredondo, here that's working towards systemic change in the Minneapolis Police Department as well. Um, the thing that I keep saying to people about police brutality is that it's real easy to want to come here. It's real easy. I mean, that's the White House that's right behind me. It's real easy to say, Joe Biden should do this, he should do that. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris should do, do this. The Senate must do this. But the reality is this. Most laws that impact police are city, county, and state. A hundred percent. And also a lot of these agencies, right? That's what local organizers have had to be very strategic about, right? Because we have a Senate here that is even less progressive than the National Senate, right? If you could imagine that. Uh, Minnesota prides itself on having one of the lowest prison rates, but has one of the highest probation rates. And when we couldn't get that passed in the legislature, we went to the Minnesota Census and Guideline Commission and got a five-year probation cap. And so it's going to require us to be creative because systems of white supremacy are creative. And so, uh, and, and, and I was talking with the family about voting. And, and the thing that I lay to people, if Keith Ellison isn't the attorney general, first of all, the, another attorney general could have done it. But the bottom line is this here. He was the attorney general. He takes over the case. He was elected. Um, the DA in Hennepin County was elected who was not going to be as aggressive. People forget he sort of backed off uh, with one of the charges. And so what I remember, I never forget, I, I, I remember a poll last year where a number of young people said that they did not believe political action was going to create the change they wanted, so therefore they took to the streets. And I remember saying, well, you're not going to be able to get political cha policy change if you don't impact the politicians, which means who we elect matters, who we call matters, who we influence matters. And so activism in the streets, grassroots organizing and voting and running folks for office, all those, all three of those things must work in concert in order to create the kind of change that we're looking for. Roland, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, to put it even more in perspective, Attorney General Keith Ellison is the first African-American Attorney General that we've had, right? So that was a big moment, and exactly, the voters did that. The community organizers really pushed for the governor to appoint him for that case. I mentioned earlier about Chief Arredondo, who we all remember fired all four officers immediately after the video was released and the public was able to see Brother George Floyd get murdered. Many people try to just jump over that, but that was historic. That was unprecedented. That is not something that typically happens. And the reason why Chief Arredondo is in is because activists have been fighting ever since Jamar Clark was killed in 2015 and got a new mayor and got new city council members. And we know the mayor appoints the police chief and Chief Arredondo is our first African-American police chief. So I echo all of your sentiments around voting. Everything has to be done in concert.
questions for my panel uh, for Leslie. I will start with Georgia. Well, hey, sis, it's good to see you. Leslie is a woman who I know uh, very well. Leslie, I know that you have spent a lot of time consoling families, the family of uh, George Floyd, the family of uh, Jamar Clark, Philando Castile. And so we know, being here on the ground in Minneapolis, that the Department of Justice investigation that has been launched will likely produce a, a lot of evidence that will result in them being seen uh, for the corruption that we've seen. Could you speak to that? Could you shine some light to all of these families uh, that you have been advocating for and working with uh, even prior to George Floyd that, that led to this historic moment in Minneapolis? Thank you, George, and I want to thank you for all of your amazing coverage. I really appreciate you. Yes, the brutality that we all have seen is um, horrific. I really encourage you all to dive into the local activists who have been on the ground doing the work. I can't tell you how many Black women right, um, who really don't always get brought to the center stage, are not only killed by the police, but just abused by the police, are tased by the police, are violently arrested by the police. And one of the reasons why this doesn't rise to the surface often is because we have to put so much energy and effort into just getting their charges dropped, right? Not the officers. The officers typically aren't charged with anything. But what they'll do to cover up their brutality is charge the victims who have been brutalized by them. And so now we're fighting to get their charges dropped and it goes on the back end of actually holding them accountable. And one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is not only seeing the Minneapolis Police Department held accountable held accountable, but the sheriff officers and all of the other policing institutes that exist in Minnesota because they are all operating to oppress black people here. Uh, next question, uh, Teresa. Yeah, well, thank you so much for uh, your activations and what you have been doing um, as the president of the NAACP in Minnesota. Um, what is the NAACP doing um, as a holistic approach? I live in Pennsylvania, so I am always working with them. And I'm like, what can we do to help support our neighboring chapters in other cities that would help amplify, um, you know, your efforts? A hundred percent. Thank you. So you are, I'm the recent president. I was the president when brother George Floyd was murdered, but there's been a transition. Angela Rose Myers, my really good friend who was my vice president is now the president. But I will say we're in really good conversations with president Johnson from the national NAACP. They actually came and did a trip down here. Uh, one of the things is amplifying our voices on the ground, right? And us building relationships ahead of time. One of the things we saw, I was very involved with helping my Burrell to get released. You all may remember when Amy Klobuchar was, Senator Amy Klobuchar was running for president, we brought attention to this injustice of this young black man who was given a life sentence for a murder that he didn't commit. It was very instrumental to be connected to other NAACP chapters to elevate the story of Mayan Burrell and brother George Floyd and so many others. And so I would say really amplifying what's going on on the ground and amplifying local activists and leaders is key. And then obviously sending resources when you can. Benjamin, what has been some of your 
biggest challenges in that amplification in terms of in not only just getting the message out, but also having the message resonate and not only with our elected officials, but more specifically with 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 the community? Are there any disconnects that you could speak to specifically and how we can overcome those? Thank you, Benjamin. That's a really great question. Um, one of the things that I would really like to see, you know, a lot of the NAACP work, especially locally, doesn't end up on a shade room, right? How do we help bridge that gap with some of these major media outlets? Because I think national outlets have a lot of relationships and connections to them, but the local ones don't. And when you have situations like Brother George Floyd being murdered, we know that it's the local activists who are here on the ground and who can really elevate those situations. And so I would love for us to build better connections with these national outlets. And I thank people like Roland Martin for always making sure that the local activists' voice are made or heard. And so things like this is very important. Well, that's precisely why uh, we created the platform. That's why we are here uh, today. Uh, and the bottom line is uh, we're not interested in asking other folks for permission to be able to cover our stories. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, Leslie, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Keep up the great work. Uh, and hopefully uh, I was actually was I was I was going to be in Minneapolis today. But then uh, when Ben told me the family was going to be here and they wanted to talk to me here, I stayed here in D.C. But hopefully uh, we will bring our show uh, to Minneapolis real soon. Uh, and so maybe maybe what we do is we'll, 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 we'll do a big old uh, block party to broadcast Roller Bar Unfiltered for Minneapolis. Yes, that would be wonderful. We look forward to seeing you, brother. Ryan. All right. Well, We'll work on that. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Grace and peace. All right, then, uh, folks, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about corporations. They pledged a whole lot of money, $50 billion in the wake of George Floyd's death. A lot of people talking about Black Lives Matter, posting comments on their social media. But guess what? A lot of that money ain't being spent. We'll talk to Barry Williams about that next on Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Black Lives Matter Plaza on the first anniversary of the death of George Floyd. Y'all take care on the death of George Floyd uh, here in the nation's capital. We'll be back in a moment. He's delivering. 3 million shots a day, 200 million doses so far, 150 million stimulus checks delivered, a million jobs created, more jobs in the first two months than any administration in history. Plans to rebuild America's roads and bridges and create 2 million more jobs funded by corporations paying their fair share. President Biden getting America back on track. The Democratic National Committee is responsible for the content of this advertising. Black TV does matter, dang it. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. Been frozen out. 
facing an extinction level event. We don't fight this fight right now. You're not going to have black on I believe that it's movement time again. In America today, the economy is not working for working people. The poor and the needy are being abused. You are the victims of power, and this is the abuse of economic power. I'm 23 years old. I work three jobs. Work seven days a week, no days off. They're paying people pennies on the dollar compared to what they profit, and it is time for this to end. Essential workers have been showing up to work, feeding us, caring for us, delivering goods to us throughout this entire pandemic, and they've been doing it on a measly $7.25 minimum wage. The highest check I ever got was literally $291. I can't take it no more. You know, the fight for 15 is a lot more than about $15 an hour. This is about a fight for your dignity. We have got to recognize that working people deserve livable wages. And it's long past time for this nation to go to 15 so that moms and dads don't have to choose between asthma inhalers and rent. I'm halfway homeless. The main reason that people end up in their cars is because income does not match housing cost. If I could just only work one job, I could have more time with them. It is time for the owners of Walmart, McDonald's, Dollar General, and other large corporations to get off welfare and pay their workers a living wage. And if you really want to tackle racial equity, you have to raise the minimum wage. We're not just fighting for our families, we're fighting for yours too. We need this. I'm going to fight for it until we get it. I'm not going to give up. We just need all workers to stand up as one nation and just fight together. Families are relying on these salaries and they must be paid at a minimum $15 an hour. $15 a minimum anyone should be making this to be able to stay out of poverty. I can't take it no more. I'm doing this for not only me, but for everybody. We need 15 right now.
All right, folks, we're broadcasting live from Black Lives Matter Plaza here in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Uh, a year ago, George Floyd murdered in Minneapolis. Billions of dollars all of a sudden being pledged by corporations. $90 million went to Black Lives Matter. Uh, the NAACP received more than $100 million. Uh, donations started flowing to HBCUs, numerous organizations, National Urban League, and so many others. Again, some $50 billion that was committed by corporate America. Most of that not spent. Joining us is attorney Barry Williams. Uh, she uh, uh, a Silicon Valley executive, uh, someone who often uh, talks about what's happening uh, in, in the corporate world. Uh, Barry, glad to have you on the show. Uh, I'm sure your mom is glad to see you on Roller Martin Unfiltered. She's a big fan, I know. Uh, <laughs> I knew you. Oh, man. She's going to love that you, you gave her a shout out because I've been sick for the last you four days. You know your with soup. And and then there was a you whole thing. You know your thing. mama loves Uncle Roro. Yeah, she loves she loves Uncle Roro, and she loves Return of the Mac. And I don't know what's wrong with her. I don't know if we're related, but apparently we are. <laughs> Y'all, inside joke. Bari cannot stand Mark Morris's Return of the Man. Mac, and every chance I get. I send her uh, a video of me dancing to it, uh, but eventually she'll uh, she'll like it. All right, let's talk about go from Return of the Mac to where the hell is all this money? All these corporations, yeah, so Barry, that, that's uh, honestly, sat there and, and made I, announcements and, and they yeah. posted stuff and yeah. So now everyone, all of a sudden, where the money? I would say about uh, by the end of the summer, so by August 1st last year, everybody and their mama had a whole pledge. Like, we stand with Black Lives Matter, and we're doing a pledge for X, Y, and Z amount of money to NAACP and Black Lives Matter Foundation, or we're going to donate and do more for diverse founders or do more for diverse suppliers. And my thing is like, okay, cool. All that sounds great. But my grandmother raised me, to get, literally, her words were, watch people's feet. And I'm watching your feet, and I, you, your feet haven't shown me anything. So it's a year later, what have you done? Like, if we want to get all Janet Jackson on you, right. what have you done for me lately? Where, Where is it? Where is it? And they haven't yep. shown anything. Yep. And the yep. other problem that is wrong with that, Roland, is... You're like, oh, we're going to self-audit. Well, what the hell is self-audit? That's like if I put Gabriel in punishment right now and say, okay, we'll choose your punishment. He's like, okay, well, I'll stand on the corner. But while I stand here, I want cookies and ice cream. And and he just walked by. And <laughs> so it was like, I want cookies and ice cream and a cheesesteak. Like, that's not actually punishment. And that's actually not accountability. So you need outside auditors to do this work and i'm not saying it needs to be me it needs to be somebody because this isn't going to really happen unless you have somebody that's going to do that but you know what though Barry? here's what also should be happening uh and what should be happening we, we just had leslie redmond on from minneapolis naacp this is also where grassroots organizers this is what i would call yes. on them to do they should be showing up at the company saying where the money? Where well, the money? Here's the thing. Like, I, I, I work in one of those companies, and I know that that doesn't work. You're going to need Congressional Black Caucus. You're going to need actual legislators to come and say, you need to do this. 
it's not going to work any other way. And I know that that's not what people want to hear. No, 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 no. Follow me here. No, but follow me here, Barry. This is what I mean. First of all, I believe that one, you have to raise public consciousness. So I both have to say, okay, so, okay, okay, X company last year. Y'all released a press release, you put it on social media, you announced you were going to spend $100 million. We're here to find where's the report, where's the money, who got checks, uh, we want to see the, we want to see the canceled checks or deposit or whatever, and then mm-hmm. we're going to come back. See, see, again, see, to me, you, you gotta shine light on them. And, and, I, and I'll be straight up honest with yeah, you. I'm, I don't I'm just disagree. Give you an That's example. what I mean by saying you cannot say right. that we're gonna do an internal audit. What does that, that uh, internal audit means? I'm only gonna show you the numbers that are in my favor. And the other numbers, I'm just gonna put away in a closet and keep it to myself. Like, that doesn't work. And I think what, I mean, and I think what we work, also have to do is we also have to be, but Barry, we. We also have to be jamming up the black board members saying, hey, what you doing? You sitting your behind on the board. Are you holding them accountable? Well, and so in terms of black board members, what I will say is um, there aren't a lot of them. And my father-in-law, he is Barry Williams, not to be misconstrued with Barry Williams. And he spent two years doing this and because he wanted to retire and get off of boards. And he kind of just did a look around and then spent two years looking at what was the, you know, basically the succession plan for each of those boards. And they didn't have black people. They didn't know black people. And he was like, this is a problem because even when you do find black people, it's the same like three. Do better. So I will give snaps to Barry Lawson Williams all day, every day for that. Um, he's one of your people. He's not alpha, but one of your other people. But he spent two <laughs> so, years doing so the, that. So there, people, so, there, so there are people who are watching. There are people who are watching and listening right now. What are you telling them that they should be doing to force these companies to pony up the money? Well, and that's the other thing that I always tell Roland. diversity is a four-legged stool so it's your employees it's your suppliers it's your customers and it's your board members and people always forget the suppliers and the board members if you are not looking at your board membership you doing it wrong period that's the end and that's what barry spent two years doing was like there's nobody that can succeed me like, I would love to bring somebody up, but you don't know who this person is. So even if I brought them to you, you would be like, who is this? Even if they have an impeccable resume. And that's a problem. So that's something else that we need to tackle is there are tons of black people that we have that are board ready, who own their own businesses. People like you, very easy. And, but they're like, uh, I don't know who that is. My girl, not, 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 not. Now, now, Barry, you know doggone well they ain't going to put me on no board. Lord, yeah, well, yeah, no, nah, they, 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 they put like safe either, black. But yet they put, somebody put me on one. I don't know. Nah, 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 <laughs> I don't know, boy. I think you a little safer. I think you a little safer than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just humming Negro spirituals right now because I don't know. <laughs> 
Well, I, again, I, I think I think Bob line is it. We have this segment called "Where's Our Money." Uh, this is when our people. That, but that's this where is the, when that's our people. Literally, where uh, the money is. If you are not investing in black founders, right. And you are not investing in black board members. That's where the money is, and that's where the influence is. And if you're not doing either of those two things, then it's not going to happen. Period. Yep, uh, I agree 100. percent Barry Wheels, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Get better. Tell your mama what's up. I, ooh, mm -mm. Not, not, not saying Return of the Mac. <laughs> Bye, oh sir. no, no, I'm gonna send that. I'm gonna send a link to you right now. I'm, no. I'm gonna have a uh, Mark Morrison uh, do, deliver a special birthday shout out to you. Oh wow! <laughs> All right, thanks no. a lot. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot. Hey Benjamin, uh, again, look. Bottom line is, this is where folk need to be knocking on their door saying, "What a check!" Yeah. What a check! Y'all sitting here with a check. Roland, one of the things they got the advantage of was all of the good publicity that came with announcing that they were going to give this money, right? And it's 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 almost as, it's analogous to them simply saying Black Lives Matter, but never doing anything. They get the publicity, they get the PR, they get the news cycle, but then the silence comes and they're able to get away without delivering on their promises. And we see this with corporations a lot of times. They, they do what is in their best interest, obviously economically, but they also do what's in their best interest in terms of public relations. And they know how to play these games. They know how to make a big PR release, a press release, and they get the headlines that they need, and then they back away and not deliver, but they still got all of the benefits from identifying. And it's, it's an aesthetic for them, Roland. They love the look because it benefits them to say Black Lives Matter, but they don't want to put their money where the mouth is. Um, Teresa, uh, look, uh, you know, you deal with companies, dealing with PR, and yes, they got the PR value. And I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, when, when YouTube announced uh, that they were creating this $100 million black content creators fund, they announced it. Uh, we put in a call to them immediately. And then what happened? All of a sudden, we hit them, oh, well, actually, you know, it was just an announcement. We really hadn't uh, put the thing together. Now, originally they did, but they just threw it out there for the hit. But hadn't actually thought of what it, what the plan actually was going to be. We called them like, yo, what the, not, like, and I literally said to the person, hey, we ready. Oh, well, we got, hold on, we got to meet, we got to put this thing together. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so that was a response, and that was a whole lot of companies. Yeah, and, and so what you'll see, and Brother Benjamin was totally right in terms of how some companies utilize the relationship with public relations. So, Sometimes there there are those instances where an initiative sounds great. It seems like everybody's getting on board and corporations are hopping on. But the follow-up plan on some of those initiatives and programs um, never really get televised or they, or they never get as much of a splash that some of the small businesses need. So then you'll see corporations just do the easy part and they write a check to a nonprofit organization that has an existence with some of the topics that they may be working with, which is social justice, entrepreneurship, or something that had to do with COVID-19. I think a lot of times when we did see the pandemic dollars, I like to call them, that was stemming down from the corporations, there was this huge frenzy 
of opportunity where they wanted to impact small businesses. And I can't tell you how many applications me and my firm personally filled out in order to, to, to be a recipient of one of those. And the criteria, even just, you know, seeing four years of tax returns and, and, and just the hardship just to get some of the grant funding. And then the announcement would only be, you know, out of this pool of hundreds of people, the, uh, they would narrow down to be between 10 to 20 uh, small businesses, you were just amazed as as the amount of uh, heist and, and ant, angst, really. Some of these small businesses were just waiting for a call, which would probably take, a, you know, an additional weeks or months. So I think corporations, you know, as they are thinking about the, the greater conversation or how they could be a part of it, they also need to really understand that their follow-up on promises kept um, for some of those initiatives and some of those programs, um, people are going to remember them. And we're going to remember when you, you know, ask when you're telling us to subscribe or buy your products yep. or ask us to even promote. Um, so, you know, those are, the, I think, some of the bigger goals that they need to think about versus just doing the press release. Absolutely. All right, folks. Uh, hey, big news on Capitol Hill today. Finally, Kristen Clark uh, was confirmed today. The first African-American woman confirmed to run the Justice Department Civil Rights Division. Uh, it was a 51-48 vote. It was contentious. Of course, Republicans doing all they can to stop her and, of course, Vanita Gupta from being confirmed. Both of them confirmed Christian Clark, formerly head of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. She now goes to run the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice. Joining us right now is Melanie Campbell, Black Women's Roundtable National Coalition on Black Civic Participation. Uh, Melanie, finally! Uh, it was a long, hard fight. Uh, they, they tried to keep her from getting a job, but uh, uh, folks persevered, and Christian Clark makes, makes history uh, at DOJ. Yes, indeed, with a 51-48 vote uh, margin, uh, with one Republican, Susan Collins from the state of Maine. So we have to ask ourselves, what are the white boys doing over there on the Republican side when it comes to black women? But we're not going to take away from the fact that Kristen uh, uh, Clark was confirmed and she was running that civil rights division. She made history today. So we're really excited about that. And ready to get, you know, she's going to be, she's ready on day one. That's the other part of it. And, and for it to happen today, um, the day of uh, George Floyd's, you know, com this commemoration moment of his losing his life, she'll be uh, dealing with issues around police reform, criminal justice reform, voting rights, hate crimes, and all these, many of these kinds of uh, issues of injustice. She'll be right in there dealing with, uh, all kinds of things dealing with um, equity and opportunity and justice. So we're excited about that. America is in a much better place. Uh, and I, Civil Rights Division. And it's important, Mel, you mentioned Susan Collins, uh, a senator from Maine voting for Christian Clark. I want every black person who's watching, Ron Johnson, Senator Wisconsin, up for re-election next year, not voting for her. Uh, uh, you have, of course, the, sen the senator of North Carolina, uh, Burr, not running for re-election, did not vote for her. Uh, Toomey, not running for re-election, Pennsylvania, yeah, did didn't vote, vote for, her. for her. Rubio yeah. in Florida, Rubio in Florida, who is running next year, did not vote mm -hmm. for her. Don't forget that when it's voting time. 
That's right. That's right. And, and we were paying attention to that today. I was on the highway, you know, but still paying attention. And uh, so uh, the, that's what elections are all about. Uh, but it really, and, and Tim Scott, I was disappointed, quite frankly, uh, from South Carolina, did not step up and, and, and join and, and vote for his sister who is exceptionally qualified for that position. Well, to your point, He's up for re-election next year as well. Um, um, again, so so again, explain to people who don't know why that position head the civil rights division is so important. I, I want to read point blank. What is the civil rights division? Do? I'm glad you asked that question. I want, if you don't mind, I want to read this. What does the civil rights division do? It enforces federal statutes prohibiting discrimination on the basis of race, color, sex, including pregnancy sexual orientation and gender identity, disability, religion, familiar status, national origin, and citizenship status, right? She also will be dealing with, as I stated earlier, issues around civil rights, voting rights, women's rights, LGBTQ rights, uh, dealing with issues around um, hate crimes. So she has a large portfolio. Um, uh, uh, I think I said, I hope I, I didn't miss the same police reform um, and, and sentencing reform. So all these things that have a major impact on black and brown communities. This sister who has dedicated her life to uh, issues around justice understands the law and has a lived experience that she brings to this position. And uh, I'm just, I'm just uh, excited for her to be able to continue to serve the people. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's about service, public service. And uh, they found it not robbery to put her in that position. Uh, with her colleagues, I think we're seeing justice coming back to the Justice Department. Because we didn't have it for four years, at least four years. For those four years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Melanie Campbell, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, thank you so very much. And we also uh, thank you uh, and, and the coalition for being up. Can I shout out to all the black women and, and many others who really, Dr. Uh, Janetta Cole, who partnered with us, and all of the sisters, Joteka Edie, all of the heads of uh, sororities uh, and links and so many other organizations, and I, all of our civil rights organizations, Damon Hewitt, so many uh, folks, black press, everybody chipped in to really get her help, get her across the finish line. So I want to thank everybody who, who, who if I did, missed your name, it wasn't on purpose. Uh, LDF Leadership Conference and so many others uh, that came together to help push this through. Uh, absolutely. And as I said, we certainly also want to thank you and the coalition for being partners with us thank here you. at Roland Martin Unfiltered. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank you. Uh, I'm gonna go back to my panel real quick here, uh, Ben. Uh, again, I, I don't want people to, to really overlook why this matters. Have and, and, you know, I, I love all these fools, Ben, uh, who send me who send me tweets. Uh, man, you sit here, sold black people out uh, supporting Biden. This real simple. Yeah, yeah. It was gonna be a tr it was gonna be a Trump Department of Justice. Or a Biden Department of Justice. It's, this is real simple. Here's what we already know. A, a, a Biden Department of Justice has already announced investigations of patterns and practices of the Minneapolis and Louisville Police Department. But everybody who's watching me, I'm trying to let y'all understand. I can guarantee you 
that Christian Clark running the civil rights division under President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, is infinitely 100,000% better than anybody who Donald Trump would have had running the civil rights division of the Department of Justice. I mean, you could tell by his, uh, you could tell by Jeff Sessions, the first pick, you could tell by William Barr, uh, you could tell by all the things that Donald Trump stood for. Uh, but Roland, I think what you're, what you're speaking to is this uh, intentional obtuseness that we get from a lot of people who observe polit politics, uh, but don't get engaged enough to understand that at some times you're going to have to make a vote that's a lesser of two evils. And in this case, you can see very clearly that this is not even just a lesser to two evils. This is a, a most affirmatively a good thing, and and so we're dealing with um, we're dealing with people who like politics of simplicity and the politics of of talking points and the idea that they're too woke to participate. Uh, and and that's the kind of simple reduction that goes on with people who make those type of comments that you get. I get them all the time uh, about oh you voted for Joe Biden. Y yeah, you're damn right. I voted for Joe Biden. The alternative was Donald Trump. What's wrong with these people? You know, the thing, again, uh, uh, Georgia, uh, I, I can tell you, we will have a far more responsive civil rights division, Department of Justice under Christian Clark, than anybody who would have been uh, in Donald Trump's Department of Justice. Absolutely, without a doubt. And I think, uh, historically speaking, when you look at the track record of black uh -huh. women in leadership, oftentimes that is when we see the most change. And so... Uh, I am excited to see how they transform uh, not just uh, the way that we've been looking at civil rights, but the, the way that we're prioritizing, uh, prioritizing issues that affect black communities the most uh, in hearing, uh, you know, about uh, pregnancy and, and women's issues, LGBTQ, so many things that I think often get left out of the spectrum of civil rights. Um, injecting that into uh, the priorities. I'm, I'm very excited to see how uh, this this shifts uh, uh, what is happening across our country. And uh, we know that the more people of color that we get into positions of leadership, uh, for the most part, generally speaking, uh, that it's going to produce change in, in our favor. So I, I am excited for her. And I think it's also important for young women to see uh, people like uh, Kristen in, in that position because it gives it gives black girls something to aspire to um, outside of maybe the traditional professions and uh, and I, so I'm excited I, I'm truly elated and uh, want to send a huge congratulations to her and her team because I know it was not an easy feat. Uh, hold on, do you want to speak, Teresa? You speak on this, Teresa? Um, yeah, Kristen Clark, um, I think, you know, I, I agree with my, my fellow uh, colleagues and panelists uh, about Kristen Clark's appointment. And I just wanted to add on to say the Civil Rights Division is seeing exactly what Kristen Clark is all about on day one. Um, and that's exactly what we need in this country is a proactive civil rights division that are putting people first. Um, she's going in without an agenda, but she's going in knowing the law and making history in the same time. And she looks good doing it. So um, I wish her well. And I and I pray that, you know, we still have um, the support that she needs while in that position 
to to really uphold, um, you know, what really criminal justice reform uh, looks like in America. Absolutely. And so, again, we certainly uh, want to congratulate Kristen. Uh, we have been huge supporters of her. I have uh, since uh, putting her on Tom Joyner, my TV One show, uh, elevating her voice for the largest committee for civil rights under law. Uh, we certainly congratulate her now uh, at being confirmed uh, as the first African woman, African-American woman in history confirmed by the United States Senate to run the civil rights division of the Department of Justice. Folks, uh, that is that. That is it for us. Uh, we want to thank uh, all of our panelists for being with us today uh, on this special day, uh, May 25th, the one-year anniversary uh, commemorating uh, the death of George Floyd. Uh, George Floyd, of course, uh, from Houston, Texas. He and I went to the same high school a few years apart. Uh, and we want to thank his family for stopping by, for them speaking to us first and exclusively, uh, which is why black-owned media matters. And so uh, I just want to give I just want to give uh, y'all a shot. Uh, go ahead, Anthony, if, uh, if give folks a, a shot. Uh, so we're out here, uh, you know, with our tent. Uh, folks have been driving by, so y'all might have been hearing people shout out. Anthony, why don't we switch that camera here and give people a view of our setup. So folks have been literally, y'all, uh, driving by, honking horns. Uh, folks have been riding their bikes, uh, uh, shouting us out. Uh, and then uh, they've been, in fact, earlier, that was a brother. Uh, I actually, uh, he was from uh, Switzerland. He's from Switzerland. Uh, and he was telling me, he watches uh, me in France. He talked about, there's a whole bunch of folks in France uh, who watch Roland Martin Unfiltered. I know I got fans in the UK. Uh, matter of fact, they've been emailing me about doing a UK edition of Roland Martin Unfiltered. I'm trying to figure out how they, what the hell that would look like. Uh, they try to get me to host the, the British version. Uh, so we'll see. But I want to thank all of our fans. Y'all make all of this possible. Uh, allow us people to do what we do. Uh, so y'all see uh, our tent out here. You see we're here, uh, right here uh, on Black Lives Matter Plaza. Uh, and again, your support makes all of that possible. Uh, so please, if you could join our Bring the Funk fan club, uh, we certainly would appreciate that. Uh, of course, you can go to Cash App, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered, uh, PayPal.me, forward slash R Martin Unfiltered, Venmo.com, forward slash RM Unfiltered, uh, Zell is rolling at RolandSMartin.com, rolling at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Uh, and it's also great being here because, folks, uh, y'all, next month I'm going to be uh, going to be broadcasting actually in July from new office space right here on Black Lives Matter Plaza. Uh, so get used to, to this look. You're going to be seeing a lot more of it. And so, again, I certainly appreciate all of you uh, for watching us today. I want to thank Attorney Ben Crump uh, for him uh, uh, having, the fa having the family here. Ben said, Roland, as we leave the White House in Capitol Hill, we come and talk to you first. Uh, and that is important, y'all. And, and, and let me just say this here. Black-owned media matters. Uh, it matters for us. And what I appreciate, I appreciate when Congressman Barbara Lee uh, comes to us, when Melanie Campbell, when Christian Clark, uh, when, the, when the Floyd family, all the other, y'all didn't realize, it was a whole bunch of media people. I keep Henry switched to the GoPro. There's a bunch of media people who were over here. He showed y'all that shot. They all had to wait. They all had to wait till I got done asking my questions, uh, and that matters. And so I appreciate uh, those folks, celebrities and, and lawyers and others who understand uh, black media matters and who understands that uh, our voices matter, and, and they don't make us wait behind mainstream media. Uh, they make mainstream uh, wait behind us. And so thank you so very much, uh, folks. Uh, Y'all, of course, 
uh, share this video. Want y'all to hit that like button as well because that matters uh, when YouTube uh, is recommending our videos. So please do so. Like as many of our videos as possible. Uh, we certainly would appreciate that uh, and all our support. Tomorrow, we're going to be broadcasting from Fort Worth, Texas. Deborah Peoples is running for mayor of Fort Worth. We're going to be uh, at the church there. Uh, let me go ahead and pull the name up. Uh, Keenan, where's that graphic? We're supposed to have that graphic, Keenan. Uh, let me uh, get this straight, y'all. Let me tell y'all right now. Uh, Bishop Kenneth Spears Church, that's where we're going to be uh, in Fort Worth tomorrow, uh, 5 to 7 Fort Worth time. We'll be broadcasting uh, from there. Uh, and so uh, let me get the name uh, real quick here, y'all. Uh, First St. John Cathedral in Fort Worth, Texas. First St. John Cathedral in Fort Worth, Texas, broadcasting tomorrow. Uh, and Deborah Peoples, the sister, she's trying to become the first black mayor in Fort Worth. Let's do for her what we did for Tashara Jones uh, in St. Louis. So for all of my Alphas, uh, all of my Masons, all of my Boulay brothers, and all of my uh, all of my folks I know in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, I used to be a City Hall reporter for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. I want to see y'all tomorrow uh, when I'm there in Fort Worth. We're going to have a drive-in broadcast. It's going to be a drive-in broadcast. Uh, so folks are going to be there. And so we want to see y'all uh, in Fort Worth tomorrow uh, for Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, and then don't forget, Thursday, we'll be broadcasting live from Tulsa, Oklahoma for the 100th commemoration of the Tulsa Race Rides. We'll be broadcasting from Thursday through the following Wednesday. And so we're going to be on the road. That's why your support for what we do absolutely matters. Folks, thank you so very much. I'll see you guys uh, tomorrow from my home state of Texas and my own stopping grounds in Fort Partyworth. I'll see y'all then. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.